Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show that looks at the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week we're talking armpits, but for once it's got nothing to do with offside. What's the difference between a dive and a player engineering contact? And a little later we're going to be finding out what it's really like to be an assistant referee in the professional game right now. I'm Mike McCarthy, a football journalist, praying the games I'm supposed to be covering for the next few weeks don't get called off for COVID. With me, as always, former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett. And Keith, thankfully, you didn't have to ever deal with this. I've just seen as well Sheffield United's game with Queen's Park Rangers on Monday night being called off for COVID-19 issues. When a game is postponed... For the weather, or indeed in this case, COVID-19, is it the done thing to appoint the same referee again when it's possible? I think generally, uh, as certainly when I was boss of the PGMOL, I tried to maintain the same match officials on the game. Not always uh, possible because that match official might have had a loss of form, might already be scheduled in my diary for another game around that particular time, or might even be involved like Oliver and Taylor and a few others in overseas games. So it can be a little bit difficult, but ideally you would do that. I guess one of the other things we should talk about as well is something that came up this week, Keith, that uh, before we get into the Premier League was an interesting moment in the Women's Champions League. Chelsea against Juventus, and this uh, a clash involving Sam Kerr and someone who came a spectator coming onto the pitch uh, looked like they were taking selfies on the pitch. It took an awful long time for anyone uh, with regards to security to get involved. And while there was no one there taking action, Sam Kerr decided to take matters into her own hands and uh, a bit of a shoulder charge into the back of the uh, spectator who was leaving the pitch. What did you make of that entire situation? I think Sam Kerr can find that uh, you know she's very lucky not to have got a red card. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, a player cannot assault a spectator. It's as simple as that, whether that spectator should be on the field of play or not. I think the big issue for me is uh, there was clearly a lack of security. I mean, this this person was on the pitch for some time. He's run half the length, if not whole the length of the pitch. So therefore, I think stewards have to question themselves, why didn't they intervene? Are there any security by way of police in the stadium? I think this week the organisers of that tournament and even the, the professional league, women's league in England, have got to be looking very carefully at how they deal with the security issues, given this one opportunity that's arisen. It, this could well be an assault towards a referee that, and, uh, or an assistant referee. So, you know, they've got spectators in the ground. They've got a, a duty of care as the organisers to ensure that the safety and security of players and match officials is uh, at the forefront. Well, let's hope we don't see that in the future. Um, to the Premier League action this weekend then, Keith. Manchester City Wolves was the early game and, well, settled essentially by a very controversial moment. Across into the Wolves box, the judgment of Jonathan Moss and then backed up by the VAR Andre Mariner, handball by Moutinho. What did you make of this? I thought this was a particularly piece of poor officiating, not of the standard we expect on the Premier League. First of all, when I talk to young referees or referees generally, I say to them very clearly, please do not guess. I've said before on this show that the process is to see, recognise, think and act. And therefore, 
Moss couldn't possibly have had a view on this. Not because he's in the wrong position. It's just that the, the body of the player himself is covering uh, the the action of the ball striking him. Now, it hit the underarm. Of, it hit the armpit. It didn't hit the arm at all. So therefore, you sat there and you've just seen it on replay on TV, and you think, well, Mariner, very experienced referee, is going to come in and he's going to get Moss to uh, overturn this. He didn't. And, and this was a clear and obvious error. So for me, this is uh, very poor officiating, not of the standard expected. And I would hope that uh, there'll be a discussion between them two officials and Mike Riley, the boss. And I frankly would be saying you're sitting on your hands next week. This is one of those ones as well. It's not just about the the T-shirt line, which we've got used to getting uh, some kinds of uh, involvement in handball decisions because for me i'm not even sure it it, it impacts the t-shirt line let alone uh, the arm of, of Moutinho and i mean the only thing i can think of particularly when we'll hear from an assistant referee in a little while but jonathan moss might have got a call from this isn't on the far side i'm in fact actually thinking about it i'm not even sure there was one on that far side i don't know whether you can tell me no i think that I think this one was was down to VAR and himself. I think that he's jumped in. Uh, you know, these are both seasoned referees. They're, they're both over 50. Uh, and therefore, you know, heading towards retirement, perhaps with decisions like this, it should be accelerated. Look, don't guess. They did. It was a clear and obvious error. I was amazed that there was a statement afterwards that said that they were looking for a a different angle, a different view. I don't even understand that because what I saw was very clear. You know, they've got the facilities to, with the, with the top-class equipment, to really stop and, and replay the incident. It was a clear and obvious error. Get the referee across, let him have a look. I mean, Andre Mariners hung uh, John Moss out to dry. But there was a red card before this uh, for two yellows in the space of a matter of seconds for Jimenez of, of Wolves. And I remember early on in this podcast, you weren't enamoured with the idea of players getting sent off for for technical offences, in particular, maybe not retreating from a free kick and that sort of thing. But in in this particular incident, Keith, did Jonathan Moss have much choice? I think that the old scenario could have been managed more effectively. First of all, I think there was a foul that was missed and and that really set the player uh, with a high level of frustration that he hadn't got it received a a free kick for a foul against him. And then the, the referees issued a yellow card. Um, all he had to do, John Moss, was step over the ball, take control of the ball. Uh, you know, I, there's a former referee that I've listened to several lectures, Ron Groves, and, and he, he used to say, manage the ball. And, and effectively what he was saying was, if he'd, have, if he'd have managed the ball, then he would have got the player away. He didn't. And, and as a result of that, the player kicks and, you know, the referee's got no option then. He's got he's got to show courage and strength and dismiss the player. But I think it was all avoidable. It was avoidable through better management of, of the referee of that particular player. Give the free kick, yellow card, free kick. Now sit on the ball and get the players away for the restart. Manage the restart more effectively as referees. So important for young referees that listen to this show, uh, that often you can have a, a bit of an iffy decision, 
but how you restart the game is is really so important and make certain that players around the ball are away from it if they're opposition before you signal for the kick to restart. The interesting thing about this as well is I was listening to this game on the radio coming home from from work and what was used again and again as a phrase to describe this game was that it had got very emotional. And did you see in this game following that then, Keith, the fact that essentially Jonathan Moss was trying to slow the game down and try and re-establish control? Did that happen in this game or, or did it not happen? No, I think that, you know, I, I, I just think that on, on, on this particular scenario, the referee should not go for glory. I think, I think Jimenez is clearly is emotional. He's, he's unhappy. He's frustrated. And when you've got a player like that, then you've got to come in and manage. Uh, sometimes there's the opposite of that. Give them space. Give them time. So for me, I think that Moss could quite easily have uh, issued the first yellow, fine, and then managed the restart more effectively than he did. And he could see that Limones was not going to get clear. He could see all that. So just stop play and and get the player away. Didn't do it. We should look, though, at uh, some very good refereeing in the Chelsea-Leeds game. Three penalties, uh, one with the help of uh, VAR, uh, Keith, but all of them, it looked uh, like the right decisions. Yeah, I was. Um, I think there was one where uh, the referee hadn't got a good view, Cavana. I've mentioned before this referee, and he stopped 10 yards short of the penalty area, and that exposes him to not seeing things. And there was, on one particular... Uh, incident, he actually gave a corner kick. This is the challenge by Rafinha, isn't it? Yes. In, in, the, in the game, yeah. Fortunately, uh, Mike Dean VAR came in and pulled him out the mire. And, and I thought, I thought generally, um, I mean, all the penalty kicks were, I, I couldn't question them. I think that generally, Cravana is a good referee. I just think that he could be a better referee. By that, I mean, you know, he's got the international badge. He's got to start behaving like an international referee and show some level of movement and uh, sprinting speed on the pitch. To Sunday then, and, and two incidents that in some ways, I think I wonder whether you feel these are similar or not, Keith. We'll start with Burnley-West Ham. Um, this is uh, a challenge by McNeil. Dawson, if you haven't seen it, of, of West Ham United, gets in front of McNeil in the penalty area, then gets clipped goes down, penalty not awarded in this, this situation. But I also want to bring in Leicester against Newcastle, where Madison gets in front of Lascelles, who's got an outstretched leg. Madison goes over it, and this is being talked about, about whether it's a dive or not. The interesting thing about Dawson's case is that the movement appears to be more towards the player than the ball to initiate some contact. Madison appears to initiate contact as well in this other penalty situation. I don't know how similar you feel these incidents are, Keith, and whether penalties were right to be awarded for both of them, for one or the other, or none of them. I think I was more inclined to uh, award a penalty kick for the, the one that wasn't given against Dawson because I, I, I thought that was a, a, a trick. You know, the old question of manufacturing contact is has always been a problem for referees. It was a problem in my time, not as a referee, but certainly as the boss of the PGMOL. I think defenders now have, a, have to be very careful 
because players do go to ground very easily. And that's come about, I think, because in the past, referees have gone down, they have been fouled, and they've not received a penalty kick, or they've stayed on the feet and been fouled and not received a penalty kick. So now the, the trend, and it's been there for a number of years now, is to go to ground fairly easily. And, you know, I, I think it's a very, very difficult judgment at times for the referee. The good thing is they've got VAR, and therefore, as a result, uh, VAR can intervene. One of the dangers around all these incidents um, is slow motion, because they can look pretty pretty bad when you look at slow motion, and you can be given a penalty kick and not recognising. What I think is um, a recognition that, that when I'm looking closely and the body mechanics come into play, first of all, the defender who sticks a straight leg out is in trouble with a modern player because the modern player will drag like a hook the leg and the foot in order to win a penalty kick. So defenders have got to be very careful. I think, and I hate to say this, I think often it's the toss of a coin and it has to be the referee in the right position at the right time. My only advice to young referees is that invariably when you are looking at a player, an act of simulation, the body is going down probably a foot away from where the challenge takes place. So it's it's an early uh, perceived dive. You can look at the hands and arms because, you know, what's what's amazing is that when it's a surprise, if you're tripped in the street, for example, your arms come out immediately. They defend the fall. They defend your face. In football, often when you look at a dive, the hands are delayed coming out. The other side of it is you get a bit of a dolphing action as well, a slight, <laughs> a slight upward movement and then the contact and then go down. It's, it's, it's a massive problem within the game. And this is why I think that, you know, we were promised retrospective action uh, by the FA. It's never materialised. There's been, I can think of maybe one or two examples. You're right. In, in like the whole time that this has been around Keith. And do you think, if it was more often enforced, because the, 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 the criteria are actually quite strict in terms of when it actually happens, because you have to have successfully deceived a match official, don't you, for this retrospective action to happen. So you now, as a player, you've got to dive. It's got to be good enough to fool the referee, good enough to fool the VAR, and then and only then. Can someone look at it and go, oh, actually, no, we think that was a dive. That's quite a high bar to achieve, isn't it? So, uh, Because ultimately, the FA are going to have to say, no, the referee and the VAR were wrong about this, even though the VAR has had a chance to have a look at all the video that presumably is available for that incident. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's years ago when I stood in front of Premier League managers at the Boss of EGMOL and, and actually started off the talk by saying, I'm, I'm going to tell you that next week, you're likely to get a penalty kick you don't deserve. And the following week, you might get a penalty kick against you that you might not deserve. And the reality is this, that your players have been coached and are getting better at deceiving the referee. And it's only when we are looking at video sometime afterwards in the cool of the day and having seen it six or seven times, we're recognising the dives. So it's up to you, coaches. If you want, if you want this... Uh, dilemma to continue, then uh, oh, so be it. 
uh, one week you will win one, another week you won't. And, you know, it, we, we looked very carefully on, you know, numerous di- di- video clips of players. And we looked at how they went to, to ground. One of the indicators is they go to ground, they'll look immediately for you. They're searching for you as the referee. Are you going to give it? Um, and, and, you know, there, there's all levels of indicators. But even with all those indicators, I, I had referees in a room and, and sometimes it was a 60-40 split. Uh, and that's how difficult it is. Um, I think it's part and parcel of the game now. I think I think uh, one week managers are going to get get the decisions, and other weeks they're not. I mean, look, you know, there there are a number of players who do go do go to ground pretty easily. Uh, Salah, Sterling, and and a few more come to mind. Um, but these players can also say, well, I'm actually uh, taking that action. In a, in a defensive mechanism to avoid injury. I don't want to just stand there and be, and be kicked or tripped. I, I'm trying to avoid it. So, yeah, it's a dilemma for match officials. I'm interested as well that you brought up the idea that some players will have reputations for, for going to ground a little bit more easily than, than others. And as a referee, presumably you can't go into a game saying, oh, I'm refereeing this player today and I know he's got a reputation for X, Y, or Z, you just have to make the decision based on what you see. But at the same human level, that's got to be extremely difficult to do. I think that modern-day referees have to go in prepared and understand who they're refereeing, the tactics that are going to be employed, the potential pressure that they're going to be put under, and as a consequence of that, recognise that those players that are moving at pace that when contact is made, they will go to ground by the very nature of the, the, the natural movement. And therefore, sometimes it looks exaggerated, it looks bad, but, but you know, the momentum of the players has, has taken him to the ground. So I think that, yeah, you're keeping an eye. If you're not keeping an eye on players, you know, hey, this is the other side, isn't it? The defender who's, who's, who's going to be prepared to put a foul tattle in when appropriate. You know, I mean, I, I, I witnessed today in the Crystal Palace game, uh, clearly uh, at one stage, Benteke was uh, a little bit frustrated and you could see that frustration. It came out with a challenge on an opponent and he, he hovered with his right leg and right foot as he moved towards his opponent and then landed it on, it, on his opponent's foot. Now, the, the first question is that yellow, is it red? You know, I, I think I'd have been inclined to have given a caution for it. I don't think he, that there was malice in it, but he knew what he was doing. And sometimes, you you know, you've got to recognise players with short fuses. You've also got to recognise that sometimes their reputation goes against them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, I, and I've had to put up with those players. You, you, you know, you, you, you know, the Vinnie Jones uh, and uh, Jerry Gow at Man City, uh, you know, these were guys who uh, could put it about. Graham Sowness, Roy Keane, all these players uh, had reputations. You did volunteer, you did open the game. The game did start with a white sheet, but hey, um, intervention and prevention is what refereeing is about. And in some instances, that quiet word that you're losing a bit of self-control, player, just calm down. I want an improvement in your behaviour is how you deal with those sort of problems. Now, before we hear from our guest this week, I wanted to ask you, Keith, before we hear what it's like in the modern game, 
Yeah, about your re- memories of running the line, uh, how often you, you did it, and what you made of the the job, and how uh, how it's evolved. You feel o- over time. I had about three years of running the line on the football league before I was promoted to the middle. I I found it extremely difficult because um, you don't want to overindulge. Uh, you're there to assist the referee. Uh, and I've watched the careers of some outstanding assistants, you know, uh, Phil Sharp, Darren Can, Glenn Turner from Chesterfield, uh, outstanding officials, week in, week out, high levels of accuracy on offsides. And sometimes you go, how do they do that? Uh, but they train. And we, and we used to take assistant referees on the field. Uh, we used to have a defender, an attacker, and simulate offsides so that they improve their decision making. I think it's a it's it's a task that is specialist now. I think it's made much more difficult with, since VAR came in. This delayed flag clearly worries me. A game in my week, I saw a delayed flag on what was a clear offside, and the ball eventually going out for a corner kick. And no raised flag. And I'm going, he, he was offside and the corner mm. kick was given. Now, if a goal resulted from that corner kick, all hell would have let loose. So I think it is a difficult task. I was one of the guys that wanted specialist assistant referees. I, I introduced a team of match officials to work with a referee so that it became a team ethic. There was a team accountability, you know, not just the referee taking on the chin all three in that scenario. The one thing that I find now on review, the negative aspect, is that I do believe that some of those people who chose to be assistant referees could, in fact, have become referees. And I think the example of that, an outstanding example of that, is Darren England, who, Darren, local to us in Barnsley, uh, became a, a football league assistant referee, became an in, international assistant referee, so officiated at a very top level, and then decided courageously to give that up and to start again as as a referee. And now he's through onto the international panel. He's he's refereeing on the Premier League, and I think generally this weekend we saw him referee and and have a really good game. So it does work, but it's a it, it's, it's one hell of a job that I always found very, very difficult. Well, let's hear from someone then who does this week in, week out. And as you'll hear, has already got an awful lot of games under his belt this season already. And I'm sure a few Premier League managers uh, will be worried about his workload if he were playing rather than officiating. He's Danny Guest. I spoke to him earlier this week. So basically, I wanted to start, Danny, by asking the fairly obvious question how on earth did you get started in refereeing uh it's a bit of a long story to be honest um started when i was 20 1920 um i'd had a bit of a, a playing career sort of standard thing flirted with the academy center of excellence um never really good enough never tall enough usual sort of uh, scenario for for a lot of lads my age um uh, and I knew a guy at the time, uh, a guy called Paul Canadine. Uh, he was on the Premier League as an assistant at the time. Um, just asked if it was something that, that I'd be willing to give it a go. 
Um, at the time, I was doing football coaching. I think I was with Rotherham United at the time, doing their their uh, football in the community. Um, so again, it was just another avenue. Uh, staying in football, I obviously love football, uh, and even though I wasn't actively playing, uh, it was another avenue to to sort of stay involved. Um, so gave it a go uh, and took to it like a duck to water. Uh, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, and it's different to to coaching because you're out there on the field. Um, it's different to coaching. It's different to watching, managing. Um, as as I say, you're actively involved, um, and it's the closest thing for me you can get to to playing from my point of view. Yeah, and and how often do those conversations go on with you know people coming out of academies and and officials? I mean, it sounded like a fairly natural conversation and maybe a natural way for players they could go in that direction but does that actually happen very often what you've done uh, it was a natural progression for me it doesn't happen nowhere near uh, enough for what it could or, or what it should to be honest uh, the issue with refereeing I don't think it's seen as being as fashionable or, or as cool maybe as, as maybe going into coaching there's the obvious reasons why but um, there could certainly be a lot more that do. I know there's been there's probably been one or two ex-professional footballers that, that have gone down the uh, the refereeing route, um, which which is, is shocking. Really, there's plenty of people that could add value to, to refereeing. There's obviously the the, uh, the stigma attached to referees don't understand the game or don't understand players. Who better to to understand footballers than than players themselves? So. Um, yeah, for me, there, there could be a lot more that uh, that go down the refereeing route. So, when you got started, do you remember your first game? Uh, I do. Um, it was at what Hooton was it? Lodge, Hooton Lodge, Rotherham United's training ground. Uh, it was Rotherham against, I think it was Hull City. I uh, I refereed it. I think it was an under fourteens game. Paul was there. Um, I think my brother and uh, Paul's lad, Chris, Chris Canada, and they ran the line for me. Um, and uh, it just spiraled from there. I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, what was it like stepping out and doing it for the first time? Did it feel a bit strange? Uh, it felt very strange. Um, you're obviously you're in the middle of a of a football match. You've got 22 people to uh, to try and control. Um, and in the early days, when you've sort of never done anything anything like that before, it's a bit of a culture <laughs> shock. But uh, but no, we we got we got really well looked after at uh, Rotherham. Um, at the time, Alan Neil was there. Uh, Mark Robbins was there, um, and we had a bit of a bit of a group of probably four or five of us, maybe six at one time, that uh, we'd alternate between refereeing and uh, and running the line, and it was uh, it was a great grounding to be honest. So you were twenty years old at the time. You're, yes. Am I right in saying you're about thirty five now? Was that, thirty five right? now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's fifteen years on. Talk us through that progression through the ladder, as it were. How how do you get from there to here? Uh, it's, it's been it's been a long road, if uh, if I'm honest. Um, in that 15 year period, I've, I've taken three years out for for various reasons. One was I had a period where I just entirely had enough of uh, football. Um, and it sometimes gets you like that, especially refereeing. Um, things weren't going my way, making mistakes, decisions weren't weren't going right. Um, and ref, any referee will tell you that um, it's not something that, that you can do if you're not. Fully, fully interested, or you're not, your heart's not in it. It's not something you can do. People will say referees do it for the money. They, they absolutely don't. There has to be an enjoyment factor. Uh, there's, there's no getting away from that. 
So what got you back in, having decided it wasn't for you for a while? I missed it, if I'm honest. Um, the 12, the, it was a season, it wasn't 12 months, it was a season, so so nine months. Um, and it came towards Christmas time, got Christmas out of the way, um, and then I really started to miss it, um, started to watch football again, um, and uh, it just spiralled from there, obviously re-registered for uh, the following season, uh, and just pushed on from uh, from there. Also suffered a couple of nasty injuries, um, tore my uh, anterior crucial ligament in my uh, in my right knee. Um, that cost me uh, twelve months. So um, that happened in the January. So halfway through the uh, nineteen twenty season, I tore it. Came back midway through last season, the twenty twenty one season, uh, and obviously twenty one twenty two is my uh, first full season back, so to speak. So one of the things I, th- I don't think people appreciate is that is the way that refereeing levels work and how many steps up the ladder you have to go to to get into refereeing the professional game. Yeah. So like, how many promotions from that under fourteens academy game to what you're doing now have you had to go through to to get to where you are right now? Uh, it's it's recently changed over the last I think it's probably twelve months. When I started, it was seven six five four three two one. Um, started as a as a level seven which is sort of a, a local Sunday morning referee, same with level six. And then you sort of enter level five, level four, which was the old contributory system. So um, club-wise at that level, you'd be going to places like Hallam, um, Worksop, Sheffield FC, such such like. Um, then you get to level three. Um, and again, you're going to certain clubs, same 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 sort of area, Frickley, um, to, to, name, to name another one. And it's sort of changed to, I think I'm a, right now I'm a two-way assistant. So, um, yeah, they, they keep changing all the time. God knows why they keep changing the, the levels all the time. I never know what, what level I'm at from one day to the next. But, um, but yeah, it's um, it's been a long road, but it's been an enjoyable road to, to get there. Yeah, and, and at some point along that road, being an assistant referee comes into your view. So when does that shift happen and, and what, what led to that? So yeah, from from speaking to colleagues, I'm a bit of an odd one because I've always known that I've wanted to be an assistant referee uh, from 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 very very early on. Uh, mostly Paul, who got me into uh, into refereeing, he was an assistant, uh, and when I used to go and watch him, he he was obviously running the line. So I would spend more of my time watching the assistants than I would the uh, the referee, and I've obviously done both, done refereeing, did quite well at it, but I always preferred preferred running the line and that decision was made at the back end of last season uh, where I could become a specialist uh, assistant you can make the decision a little bit earlier now so um, there are lads running the line locally that can make the way through the the uh, the pyramid purely running the line rather than having to to dual role as a, as a referee also so uh, from my personal point of view the system's a lot better now than uh, than it was and if I could have had my time again I would have picked being an assistant a lot earlier than uh, than I actually could. So, what was the draw of that for you then? Why why being an assistant? What's what's the the appeal there? Pure and simple. From from a personal point of view, I'm better at it, and I, I don't mind I'd, I'd, uh, admitting that I was okay as a referee. Um, I could manage a game, absolutely no issue. Uh, I could manage players, I could manage dugouts, but from from an enjoyment point of view, from from my from myself. Um, always enjoyed being an assistant more. 
Okay. And 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 what are the specialisms? And this may sound like a really broad and general question. Um, but we think a lot about refereeing and, and the way that it should work. And we all have an opinion on decisions that get made every single weekend. Yeah. And, you know, and I used to host a football phone in where people would call up and say, oh, this referee was rubbish yeah. this weekend. People don't <laughs> tend to call up and go, that assistant on the far side, he was rubbish. Uh, we don't tend to think about the role of the assistant very much. Yeah. Um, so what don't people appreciate about assistant referees and what they contribute to the game beyond the ins and outs and the offside? Um, it's been an assistant, certainly probably National League up. It's, it's, it's more of an art form than uh, than anything else. Um, you, th- you think people assume that your main roles are offsides, throw-ins, but you're, you're constantly working as a team and you're always making decisions. Sometimes you could be making a decision or offering advice for something that's happening 50, 60 yards away. Um, and even though you are that sort of distance away, it could well be that you've still got that that angle where you see something, say, it's, it, when you're non-active, and by non-active I mean, say, for example, there's a corner and it's on the opposite side of the field to you, invariably the referee will ask you to watch what's happening at the back post. So you're looking in at something that's happening 50, 60 yards away from you. And you're always feeding in that uh, that information, which sometimes it's it's not recognised by um, by people that uh, that are watching the game. And also, when you're sort of trying to watch the uh, watch the back line, and then you're trying to look see when the ball is played to you, your other assistant on the uh, on the opposite side will be giving that information to you over the uh, over the comms uh, and let you know when that ball's played forward and whether it's played forward by an attacker or a defender. Uh, obviously, you can't be offside if it's if it's played by uh, by a defender. Um, so you're constantly making decisions, which um, it's 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 a lot tougher than I assumed it would be, and you have to do a lot more than I thought you would. But um, it's it's I say it's thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, so I mean, I guess having a, a good relationship as a, as a team is is clearly very very important. Then, so I mean, uh, how often are you refereeing? And working as assistant with the same group of people, um, uh, and is that does that develop over time, or is it it's still a, you know a kind of a mixture that goes on through the season? Don't forget to know everybody. Um, I think so far this season I've probably worked with probably probably ten, twelve different referees. Uh, bearing in mind I've already done nearly thirty games this season so far, been really really busy. Um, as I said, we 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 don't generally stick to areas I say I was in London on Saturday we, we could be absolutely anywhere um, it was with the referee that I've worked with uh, plenty of times before uh, but I've never worked with the assistant and the fourth official but ultimately the, the end goal is the same uh, and that's to bring a, a game of football to, to a safe conclusion it doesn't really matter who you're doing that with uh, as long as you've all got the same objective it, uh, it usually comes to to a safe conclusion. And do different referees want different things from you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It ranges from uh, from different referees. Some want more from you, some want, some want less. Um, and it's from our point of view, it's about gauging uh, into what that referee actually wants um, and, and also sort of feeding into the, uh, the type of game that's going off, whether it's one where you need to raise your profile or one where you can sort of sit back and, and watch... Watch the players play, sort of thing. 
It's interesting just in terms of the communication, and I may be about to show some horrific ignorance here, um, but I remember as a kid, sometimes you would see an assistant referee, you know, awarding a penalty or, or, or giving, you know, major decisions. You'd see the arm go across the chest. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen that in years. It may yeah. be I've just missed it. Is that because it no longer happens or because the communication is there that you can say to the referee, there's a penalty here, there's a trip, there's a handball, there's something you haven't seen. And so there's no need for a flag to be used in, in the same way. How does it How does it all work now? No, it no longer happens. Um, there was not actually never anything in law um, to, to suggest that an assistant would have to sort of raise the flag uh, across the chest. And I think we got something probably probably talking five, six years ago where we were encouraged to uh, to stop uh, putting the flag uh, across the chest. And now um, if we are, to, if an assistant does award in a penalty, um, you would obviously agitate your flag uh, and then signal in the, the direction that, uh, that you're going in. Uh, and if it's close to the edge of the box, then sort of step inside the box. Uh, likewise, if you're signaling for a free kick, um, just sort of shuffle away from uh, the 18-yard box so the referee and uh, everybody else can sort of suggest what uh, you're signaling for, be it a free kick or, or a penalty. Uh, obviously, when we're using the comm system, we, we would feed in verbally also, whether it's inside or uh, or outside the box. And, and something else you mentioned there, 30 games already this season? I think it's 20, 28, I think I'm at so far. I cannot imagine a, a, a single manager going, oh, it's fine for my player to have played 28 games already this season. Um, so, so how do you feel about that workload? As daft as it sounds, at, at 35 years of age, it's actually the best I've ever felt. Uh, I think that's probably down to the way that I'm looking after myself, doing a lot more recovery work. Uh, I've got myself a, a massage gun, which I use in between in between games. Better pitches help, as daft as it sounds, when you're running lines on uh, on pitches that are really well looked after and you're running on flat surfaces. Um, you can sort of save your, your feet and your legs. Certainly from an assistant's point of view, we suffer with his feet, his ankles, his calf muscles uh, and his knees also. We, we've got to talk about offside and, and yep. the way that the law works at the moment. And I mean, I think most fans would generally recognise that getting it right all the time is just going to be an impossibility given the way that the law is, is structured and, and how many different things are going on uh, for you yeah. to try and assess. So how do you feel about the, the way that you're asked to do your job at the moment, given the way that the laws are? And how confident can you ever be coming off a, a pitch at the end of 90 minutes that you've got as much as you can right? Offside is, is, is one of them where it's, it's still open to, uh, to, to opinion and, in, and different interpretations. It's always, there's always going to be a grey area with it. Um, unless you were to revert back to to what it used to be in the uh, I think would it be the eighties now where do the air quotes and say offside is offside you were stood offside no matter where you were no matter where the ball was if you were stood in an offside position then you would be flagged offside uh, and until we revert back to that there will always be uh, an element of uh, of individual interpretation um, so I'd, the honest answer is I, I don't know. Um, ultimately, we want to see goals. People pay to see goals. So we, we want to see more goals. Nobody wants to see goals chalked off unless they, they're obviously they're offside. So the tight ones, the ones where they're offside by a big toe, um, nobody really wants to see that. Anybody that loves football 
we don't want we don't nobody wants to see goals chalked off for 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 offside infringements that are that are that tight. Um, but it's it's the way the the law is at the minute, um, and we as officials have to have to adhere to that. Um, I know some of them are, are impossible to see to the naked eye, and uh, we've seen sometimes it takes VAR a good three, four, sometimes five minutes to uh, to decipher an offside, to for an assistant to make a decision in a in a split second and get it right. It's sometimes now an impossible. Uh, added to that, players are so quick these days. Um, they they really are like lightning, and they get better and better each season at uh, holding the runs and running the, and running the line. They we obviously run a line as well. They run their own line, uh, and they they get brilliant at it. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, the the review process and looking back at things when there are so many interpretations, how often do you get to look back at, at what you've done on a particular match day or a particular you know set of games and and critique yourself and and have other people looking at what you're doing? We have a system that we use which is called the uh, Match Official Administration System, uh, shortened to uh, to MAWAS, um, and invariably where we do a game, the footage is uploaded. Um, I will watch invariably the whole game just 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 to watch it back um see things look out how you remember at the time um daft as it sounds things look different and they, they really really do tackle look <laughs> different tackle a tackle can go in at the time and you look at it and then you look at it on a tv screen and it'll look completely different it's bizarre really really it we also have uh, observers that come in after the game we have a debrief with them they watch the footage as well uh, we have training events probably quarterly where uh, we'll we'll look at clips. Um, a decision will be made amongst the group, and you'll have one half of the group saying this is the answer, and another group half of the group saying this is the answer. So even we as referees, we have uh, difference of differences of opinion sometimes. But as I say, ultimately the aim is that the end goal is always exactly the same. So how do you feel about? Um... The way things may be going with some things like semi-automated offside, which you may see in a couple of years down the line, um, part of your your role may be ultimately starting to be ebbed away by technology. How do you do you feel about the possibility of that? I think if if the, obviously if the Premier League is still going to go down the route of having the offside decisions as tight as they are, I think eventually they will become impossible to to see from the naked eye, um, certainly at the speed that uh, the decisions are made of. Um, so if, if they are wanting to, to sort of stick with it, you're offside by your big toe or the forehead or or whatever, uh, then I don't see any way other than that being the case. It's, a, it's going to be fascinating to see how that develops, I guess, over time. But I wanted to sort of get a sense of um, your progression now and and where you want to be as well because uh, presumably the premier league's the goal or or maybe maybe more what what's what are your hopes for for what you're doing at the moment yeah uh, premier league was was and still is uh the goal ultimately um when i used to when i started and when i used to go and watch it it used to be premier league games that uh, that i would go and watch i was very very fortunate that i got to go to some fantastic football grounds and and see some fantastic officials um, and also some some great games of football as well. Um, so so yeah, absolutely the 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 end result for me 
and the goal is is the Premier League. And how how long does that take to do? I mean, I guess it's a how long's a piece of string sort of uh, question. But how how would it work from where you are now to to get to to that level? What 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 needs to happen? Physically, there are let me count one. Two, there are three more promotions um, on paper to to obviously get to the Premier League, but. Um, there's a hell of a lot of hard work in between that uh, that needs to be done. Uh, obviously, observations, um, games need to need to get obviously a good number of games in as well, um, and obviously bit of bit of luck as well. And we should say you're doing this as well. You're not full time. You're running no. a business at the same time as well. Yes. You've got kids. I mean, your yeah. your life must be pretty hectic. Incredibly busy. Uh, the diary, the diary certainly takes some hammer. Uh, trying to organise, uh, trying to organise <laughs> school runs and everything. Bit of a nightmare. Um, so, I mean, what do you tell the young referees starting out? Because presumably you talk to to people who are, are you know, at the, the stage you were as a as a twenty year old, you know, thinking about what to do next in the game. Or, I mean, have you managed to advise anyone down the same route? Yeah, absolutely. My sort of main advice would be would be to persevere. Um, it's it's not always enjoyable. It's it's not always easy. Um, it's never easy. It's it's never easy. It, it can be incredibly tough. Uh, it's, it it can be incredibly lonely as well. Um, in those early days when when you're refereeing on your own, um, and you've obviously not got assistance with you. Um, it can it can be very lonely and, and, and very hard, um, but um, but yeah, persevere through through those stages um, and then suddenly start to, to reap the rewards. Um, you come up against obstacles. You, you'll face injuries. You'll face numerous obstacles, and again, you can persevere through those. Um, world's your oyster. There's there's careers to be made out of uh, out of refereeing. Um, top lads, they're they're obviously professional. Remuneration there is is good, um, so there's there is absolutely a career to be made. Um, but I guess, as I said, as I said earlier, for whatever reason, I just don't think it's fashionable enough. Mm. If, if I'm honest, do you have a favourite game you've been involved in in the, in your career so far? Um, I've been involved in in numerous games. My favourite one so far this season was uh, Grimsby against Barnet. Uh, very early on, uh, finished four three to Grimsby. I think in the end, it just had everything. Just a fantastic oh, game of football. Absolutely fantastic game of football. Um, big crowd, noisy crowd. Um, just just a great spectacle. And can you still be a fan of football? You know, as well as making it your, your job, can you still feel it in the same way? As you would have done as a as a kid, I can only answer for myself. I I love football. I love watching football. Um, I'm a Robin United supporter. Um, I won't I won't hide that fact. I'm a big Paul Warren fan, and yeah, I, I love football in general. Um, and I think that makes me a, a better referee. As I said, when I had the year off, I was very bitter, fell out with football, and that without a doubt affected my my refereeing and how I refereed. Um, and it got to a point where I was argumentative, arguing with people, um, and, and ultimately making mistakes. But then, obviously, the enjoyment factor comes back, and you're you're a totally different character, and you're a totally different official. Danny, I'm really pleased it's going so well for you this season. Best of luck for the rest of the year, and I hope 
<laughs> there's plenty more games to come brilliant uh, and thank you so much for doing this really really appreciate it well, yeah no problem at all well that's danny guest and that is our show thank you so much for being part of it and listening to right to the end and as always if you enjoyed what you've heard subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review wherever it is you get it it really does help other people discover the show uh, keith as always thanks so much for your time Pleasure, thanks for being with us we will see you next time Thank you.